listening to Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. How you doing, buddy? I'm not bad. It's nighttime. It It snowed a shit ton today and yesterday and all of it. But at least I'm in Spokane, so people handled it and didn't panic and, like, go to the grocery store. We just were all like, yeah, surprise didn't happen sooner. Have you seen all the uh, the Spokane versus Seattle memes? Mm -hmm. Where (laughs) (laughs) They're so painfully accurate. Dude, the stores were wiped out. Oh, yeah. The shelves were bare. Fuck, people <laughs> took this seriously. I have a, a stash of emergency food always in my yeah. house. So I guess, I I don't know. I don't want to make fun of people too much because I know that we all have different things that we're concerned about. But I think it's the very specific like French toast index of we got to go get bread, milk, and eggs. It's like, yeah. Or like a can of soup. That's a nice charcuterie. Or just like, I get the fresh food thing with like all the produce that got ripped off. I'm like, yeah, that. Yeah. You don't, you can't keep on hand. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want my canned mandarin oranges if I can have something fresh. Oh, totally. Totally. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, they sent us home about noon on Friday. Uh, so that we didn't have to drive once the snow had built up and it took me twice as long to get home as it usually does and I always have an hour-long commute anyway. So, Oh my god, how do you even Seattle? I don't, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me. I mean, they couldn't pay you enough to make it worth living here, that's for fucking sure. (laughs) Good god. Nope, not into it, dude. Love my Seattle. Absolutely don't love the cost of living in Seattle. So Mm -mm. as soon as I can get my little cabin in the woods somewhere and I can become totally Mm -hmm. self-sufficient, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of people who are really good at being self-sufficient in the woods, oh my God, what a segue. Do you want me to tell you my story? You were supposed to suggest that I thank the patrons. No, God damn it! It was such a good segue, Liz. Speaking of people who are really good at being in the woods, can you thank our patrons? What? I don't know. <laughs> I just really wanted to use that segue. I really okay. wanted to. Okay. First of all, I'm sorry these thank yous took forever. We went an unusually long time between recording these, but thank you, Reby. Brian and Amber for your new support and thank you everyone for your ongoing support. I should make a little video and show you my cool sound setup and show you my research books and stuff so that you can see what some of those resources are going to mm-hmm. in addition to, you know, Podbean and the website and stuff, which yeah. are just it's just on the internet. It doesn't exist. It's, <laughs> it's a collective a, dream that I pay for. Not tangible. It's just money going out the door. We can't <laughs> hold a product in our hands. Oh, it's, speaking of product, though, one of our followers on Facebook asked if we would turn the cryptozoology, uh, you know, those those cute little minimalist vector images that we did, mm-hmm. if we turn the cryptozoology map into fabric. So that is something that we are working with Spoonflower to do right now. I mean, we're not working with them. I made the pattern and put it up, but you have to order a swatch before you can make it available to the public to purchase. So if you are interested in crafting with cryptids, you'll have that fabric option very soon. 
Do you want to do the Lost Things of Washington tea towel thing, too? Oh, totally. Awesome. I'll send you that, because I just gave those to people for Christmas. <laughs> and I can show you how I did it. Yes, please. I'll make a little craft along with the Ouija broads. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, the cryptids are going to get turned into craft along where you can make your own plush cryptids. Uh, <gasps> pre-printed, you just got to cut them out and then sew along the dotted line, my friends. So I don't even understand how such things can be. Magic. Amazing. Magic. I only sew flat things. <laughs> There's I'm a, a two-dimensional sewer. Oh, my God. There's a joke in there. There's a dirty joke in there. And I can't come up with it. I'm not quick enough. It's all right. Tell me about people who live in the woods, I guess. I have no idea what you're telling me about, actually. I don't think I requested this one. Are you sure? Well, Liz. I don't know. I, is it a ghost? It's not a ghost, Liz. God, calm down. This is what you're always asking for. I'm going to tell you today about semen. Oh, yep, that is what I'm always asking for. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta get your mind out of the gutter, Liz. I'm talking about Seaman the dog. You know, the famous dog from Lewis and Clark's expedition. For real? Who had the very inappropriate name, yes, of Seaman. Oh my god, amazing. Well, so we didn't even know that his dog was Seaman, or Seaman, or I, I just can't say it real anymore i don't actually know how to pronounce that word if it isn't a bodily fluid but apparently seaman right like seaman i'm by the seaman a man but it kind of sounds like spider-man see the man see the man (laughs) swinging from a web don't know the song lego batman when she calls him mr batman the whole time mr batman yeah, which is just hilarious to me. Spider-Man. <laughs> you like it when things are mispronounced slightly. That tickles it's you. It's like the, the basis of all comedy to me is when yeah. people slightly mispronounce something. Yeah, you have so many good examples of Lydia slightly mispronouncing something and it sending you uh, oh into God. orbit. When she pointed at Elmo and just went, that's Elmer. I'm like, the shade. <laughs> The shade to point at Elmo and not know his name right? Oh, my God. It's so wonderful. Totally Elmer forever in my heart. Shady. Okay. So I can't say Seaman. And people, apparently, because it was old-timey writing in Lewis and Clark's journals, they couldn't read Seaman. And up until 1987, researchers thought that his name was Scannon. What is that? That's not anything. It's not a word. I, S-C-A-N-N-O-N. S-Cannon. S- yeah. C-A-N-N-O-N? Yep. They thought his name was Scannon. Depending on the historical source, it was either because the ink in this journal was smeared or the handwriting was illegible. Uh, I mean, I don't... The dog is mentioned several times by name in the journal, so how it's wrong on every page, you got me. Oh, the answer to that, my friend, is Meriwether Lewis, who wrote Sacagawea's name literally 19 different ways. Are you kidding me? You would think there wouldn't be that many ways to fuck oh, up the spelling of one name. God. But it's like Sarkargarwea, Sakagarwea, like every combination you possibly could imagine. He oh. was just like me trying to make a basket in a basketball hoop. 
just like <laughs> swing and a miss every different way. You would think one of them would be right yeah. by sheer force of numbers, but you'd be wrong. Yeah, yeah. statistics would say <laughs> you'd sink one every now and then. No, no. No, oh, okay, dude. scanning. Scanning. So scanning's way easier for me to say without cracking up. But I guess, okay. you know, 1916, there was a, a lot of research going on with the journals. The researchers said, oh, this dog's name is Scannon. Great. But then in 1987, fortunately, we had this researcher who was going through the journals and also looking at the Lewis and Clark Trail. And he's like, well, why the fuck then did they name this creek Seaman's Creek? That's dumb. Yeah, doesn't that, make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. You, what the hell? And then he's going back through the journals, saying, "No, you dipshits, you you misread this. The dog's name was Seaman, and they they named the creek after the dog." So, fortunately, have it. we now know the name of the only animal other than humans to survive the entire four thousand mile trip. Oh, God, none of the horses, huh? None of the horses never made it. Well, you know, they they traded horses to Indian tribes or things like that. So it's not like they all died, but not any other animal other than this big black Newfoundland dog made it (gasps) from the start point around and back. I love that it's that. Like, I was picturing for some reason a kind of, like, medium-type terrier. Right, like a little cattle dog. I love that it's this big Newfoundland because I, like, every time I see one of those, my brain goes, oh, a bear. A bear. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. They look like bears. You know that one that that lives up at Green Bluff? I can't remember what his name is. Oh, yeah. Captain or something. Captain, I think. Yeah. And he just, yeah, he he knows his place in the world and it's to be fed chunks of whatever you bought to eat there. Exactly. (laughs) Usually apple cider donuts. Yep. Sausage. I just saw him stand outside the donut stand and they just were like hucking fresh donuts at him from six feet away. I'm like, can I come back as that in my next life? Oh my God. What, who was that in a pre, was that Gandhi? Was that Mother Teresa? Like what? That was somebody so good that we never even heard of Yeah, for sure. They just did all their good work in the shadows and God said, you, you get to come back as the best dog. Here you go. Oh my God. Well, they must have similarly, well, not they, um, Meriwether Lewis was the one who bought seamen in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, while he was waiting for the boats for the expedition to be built. And he bought this huge black Newfoundland for $20, which, according to a money inflation calculator I used online, is $433 in American money today. Wow. Now, that seems like a lot of money, but if you think of it by the pound, that's not a lot. (laughs) You're getting a bargain. You're getting not as good a bargain as Salem, the black Labrador we got for free outside of Safeway, (laughs) who was herself quite girthy and (laughs) therefore a good deal per pound. So there's no mention in... Lewis's journal, why he picked this dog, why he picked this breed of dog, what really compelled him to buy a dog that they didn't eat because they did eat 200 dogs on their what two-year, 4,000-mile journey. Oh, yes, my friend. The Lewis and Clark expedition ate dogs like none fucking other. When they couldn't find other game, they were like, whatevs, let's get us a pongo. Go for it. Was that the plan, or 
was were they like here's our you know rolling stock here's our our live self-propelling meat that will just <laughs> tear down <laughs> or did they have dogs and go well uh, you <laughs> didn't look into that one but i know that a lot of the the plains indians the tribes that they contacted ate dog mm-hmm. so yeah. maybe a win in rome kind of situation yeah i mean i don't know Sorry, vegans and vegetarians. I think it's very hard to make an argument other than cultural. Right. That other animals should be eaten, but dogs shouldn't. Right. I love dogs, and I don't think I could bring myself to eat dog, but it doesn't hold up to a lot of logical and ethical scrutiny, so I'm not going to give them too hard a time. No. No, I think (laughs) it's 1806. You're doing Mm -hmm. what you have to. Fine, whatever. You did a lot of things on your journey that I don't jive with, but yeah. kind of feel like you thought you were doing the best you could with what you had at the time. So, <laughs> carry on. Anyway, they managed to, in reading the journals, it's mostly in terms of hunting and food that Lewis starts talking about Seaman. He's either at the very beginning of the journals, talking about what a good hunter Seaman is and how he's doing a great job of catching squirrels for the the party to eat. So he catches them, and Lewis is like, these are damn tasty if you fry them up, which I'm like, I'm here for that, Lewis. Anything's damn tasty if you fry it up. (laughs) But I guess Seaman, Newfoundlands, um, they they have a, a water repellent coat and their toes are kind of webbed so they're really good in water like most you know retrievers are anyway but so what seaman apparently would do would be to chase squirrels into the water and then drown them he was he was a very sociopathic little killer (laughs) he was efficient he was efficient i guess what he should not feed them squirrels then he's next on the menu think about it (laughs) You're right. It's just that that's such a fucked up way to do it. Like, you're a canine. You've got big jaws. Just, like, quickly bite the neck and call it good. Why do you have to take them into an aquatic environment and then drown them, you fucking Hannibal Lecter animal? Jesus. (laughs) But that made me start looking up squirrels because I really do like little buddies. And so, incidentally, the squirrels that Seaman was probably catching were eastern gray squirrels which are in washington but they're non-native they were probably introduced by human expansion westward and Mm -hmm. you can tell that they're different from the native gray squirrels western gray squirrels because a western gray squirrel is if someone said it's a gray squirrel like there you fucking go it's a gray squirrel eastern gray squirrels have this red tinge to them hmm i want to look at this look it up Also, western gray squirrels are a little bit bigger. They're like two inches bigger body size and also two to four inches longer tail. So you've got a 12-inch western gray squirrel to an eight to 10-inch eastern gray squirrel. And then western gray squirrels are not endangered, but they're very concentrated. You only find them in Washington, Oregon, and California. And then they they don't go over that divide of the Cascades. Well, as you know, they can all fuck right off as far as I'm concerned. No, come on, dude. Squirrels are fucking awesome. They're so good. You had pet rats. How do you not like squirrels, which are just cuddlier rats? 
Yeah, exactly. They're rats with a good marketing campaign. <laughs> but, like, a pet rat is clean and social and very intelligent. And once at graduate school, I threw an entire bag of trash into the dumpster and about seven to ten squirrels came sprinting out of there. Because they've been eating the trash. Like, the little furry tail wearing rats that they are and i guess i just i've also seen rats do that in my life yeah and i guess i just prefer the straightforwardness of rats like i rats have the underdog energy to me okay you guys get crapped on far too much for how great you are when you're domesticated and squirrels everybody's like oh look at the squirrels trying to take the bagel out of my hand and i'm like if that were like okay if it's pizza rat it's cute i guess (laughs) but for most of the time like no they're just wandering around getting run over by cars distracting my dog super oh god i full-on take cubby up to the park and let her off leash because the squirrels don't even think she's a threat and she's not (laughs) no so her plan is walk slowly up to them and then when they notice her she starts lumbering faster toward them (laughs) arthritic little spindly (laughs) and then she gets to the bottom of the tree after they're already like 20 feet up the tree and then she's kind of looks like maybe they'll come back down though but they could mom they they could come back yep (laughs) (laughs) makes her very happy bless her heart oh Mm. one thing i was really surprised to learn and i learned this a while ago was that we have flying squirrels in washington state which, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never seen one, and I really want to now. But we apparently have two different types of flying squirrels, which scientists here at the Burke Museum discovered in 2017 what they thought was just a population of northern flying squirrels living um, on the, like the, what am I trying to say, the Pacific Peninsula area? Mm-hmm. The Olympic Peninsula, there we go. What they thought was a population of northern flying squirrels was actually a distinct species now called the Humboldt squirrel. Okay. And they don't they don't interbreed. They said it's possible genetically too, they think, but they haven't so far found any kind of genetic drift within the <laughs> species that they've or within the subjects that they've captured and checked out. It could happen, but squirrels are really racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't like them. (laughs) We'll fuck anything. We're so eco-opportunity for this. Oh, I'm looking at the flying squirrels, though. I do find that kind of adorable. Are they Because it's like a, a, a little squirrel in a little base jumping suit. A little, yeah, a little base jumper that's made out of fur and magic, and it's got its big cow eyes, and it yeah, just Yeah, its head looks more there. like a bat's head. It does. That. Yeah, a little mouse. Looks like a yeah. little flying mouse, not a flying squirrel. A little flater mouse. A flater mouse. <laughs> oh, little babies. It's so precious. Oh, I love them all. Any mammals are good to me. You know what I fucking hate? Alligators. That has nothing to do with this episode. I was just thinking about it because I was it looking Just needs up. to go on the record. Just, I want it out there. I fucking hate alligators and crocodiles. Nature didn't need to make you. I think you were a mistake. And I think your mothers don't love you. And I think you should <laughs> take yourselves out of the ecosystem. There you go. No. 
They're so great because nope. I love any creature like sharks that has been the same forever. Yeah. And is like, oh, nailed it. All right. I'm just going to keep <laughs> this design for a million billion years. You know who can fuck right off, though, is snapping turtles. Snapping turtles. Did you have alligator snapping turtles down in North Carolina? I don't know if they were in the natural waterways, but I sure saw some at the zoo and so forth, and I am not a fan. Because <laughs> it's the part where they can keep biting after they're dead, and yeah. also their heads shoot out of their bodies, yeah. like, way farther than you would anticipate. Yeah. And also, they have a snapping turtle at Northwest Seed and Pet. No. And I was like, look, lit a snapping turtle, and she's like, where? Right there, where? And oh I'm like, God. yeah, that's what happened to a lot of humans. Exactly. In, in our day. That's exactly like, right. <laughs> yeah. I want to know okay. more about all of the animals that Lewis and Clark found, but I didn't research that for you. Mostly, I just researched what animals scared the shit out of their camp that Seaman was able to scare away from the camp. Oh, I like that. Okay. And make them happy. Well, so they encountered a lot of buffalo, and mm-hmm. this isn't one he scared away. Apparently, Lewis wrote that he was walking along the river uh, toward nightfall, and somehow a buffalo calf had been separated from the herd, and it trundled Uh-oh. along. And yeah. it was so afraid of Seaman that it attached itself to Lewis like a little, <laughs> little cow shadow. That's and so she cute. just hung out with him so that Lewis would protect him from the big scary dog until <laughs> save they had... Save me from the bear. <laughs> save me from the bear. <laughs> Look. <laughs> it, had to, it had to... It preferred humans to... Yeah. The dog, which looks more like, like a buffalo. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what your shit is at all, but that looks like a bear. <laughs> but it looks exactly like a bear. <laughs> Holy God, a bear. Well, and then another night, so a bull buffalo, I guess, stumbles into camp, and then there's men sleeping out in, in sleeping bags, there's tents, there's campfires, there's noise, and the buffalo's, you know, reasonably like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And so it starts stumble-bumbling around, and Seaman twice kind of herds the buffalo away from men who are sleeping so the buffalo doesn't crush their fucking skulls. And so they're waking up like dominoes, and Seaman is herding this buffalo out of camp, and he does finally get it out. And so they're like, hooray, he's a hero, good boy. He chased away grizzly bears. Wow. He would bring back game that the men shot, whether it was birds or squirrels, or if they shot deer, he would run down the deer, make sure they were dead, bring those back, because he's a big fucking dog. (laughs) You can do that when you weigh 200 pounds or whatever. And then apparently the Native Americans that they encountered were very taken with him. They had their own dogs, of course. You know, dogs had been in America for quite some time, Mm -hmm. but... They didn't have dogs that looked like these giant wolf Newfoundlands, right? Yeah. Uh, so. They'd be like, is that one of you guys in a dog suit? Yeah, exactly. Is that a thing you do? <laughs> is, that, is that two of you? We've seen this with horses. There's one yeah. guy in the front, one guy in the back, and we're pretty sure that's what we're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> we're not judging. No, no. Do your thing, guys. <laughs> like That's an eastern bear. That must be a bear. <laughs> but I guess uh, one... Man offered Lewis three beaver pelts for him, so that was, you know, a lot of money, Mm. and Lewis refused. And then this was, like, another scary thing. I guess another Native American man stole him, stole uh, Seaman, and then he only gave him back when Lewis threatened to kill the whole tribe. Whoa, Lewis, calm your tits. Like, he was John fucking Wick or something, right? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) It's just... 
that reference that was a whiplash moment from like first of all imagining somebody to trying to walk off with what's basically like several sheepskin rugs with an entire set of dumbbells inside <laughs> and then was the whiplash of murdering an entire village in retribution and then the John Wick reference yeah. and I just had a good time. Yeah, good. I do I what I can for you. I enjoyed that roller coaster. You. Thank you for the free ticket. <laughs> this is the only adrenaline you need is is me, <laughs> is the sound of my voice. Um, I feel like you can't steal a dog like Seaman unless you have like a truck and a tranquilizer dart. Oh, Seaman was probably like, I was chilling over here, Meriwether. It's good. It's fine. Fine. Right? It's like, how would you steal one of the velociraptors? It only goes if it wants to go. Seaman yeah. only went if he wanted to go. I mean, like, whatever. Maybe they had better food. He wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't forced to eat other dogs, you know? These yeah. tribes had catch real meat. Up. He was going to bobby the wonder dog. Yeah, totally. And get yeah. there when he got there. Homeward bound this shit all the way back to Lewis. It was fine. I didn't realize Buffalo just wandered around at night a lot. I thought they mostly uh, just chilled. Me too. I thought it would be like a cow where like, okay, it's dark. I guess I'm going to hang out here with my other cow buddies because I can't see mm. the grass I want to eat. Yeah. I, You know, whatevs. Like, let's just chill. We'll have a little nap. Apparently, Lewis and Clark had problems with a couple of different buffalo. So, I don't know. I'm super sad they never found any mastodon like they were hoping. Maybe they just did, but no one could read their fucking writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. I think that might be it. People. Yep. <laughs> people are they like, did, but he wrote mistodont. <laughs> mistodont. People are like, we've never That's known. That's a weird grass. A mistodont. Yeah. Oh my god, I'll flash back forever to a documentary I watched in high school where the narrator was not a native English speaker and kept pronouncing woolly mammoths as wee mammoths. And that's probably what Lewis wrote. He wrote wee mammoths. Wee mammoths. And we just always thought he was talking about, I don't know, a flower he found. Wee mammoths. Yeah, he was was talking about bush pigs. You know, we're like, oh yeah, a little elephant. That's kind of like a little pig. All right. (laughs) Oh, buddy. No, we were talking about animals in relation to Seaman, and that poor dog also had negative run-ins with animals, like you do when you're on a 4,000-mile journey into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Really, like I said, Lewis doesn't talk about the dog unless it is shit went wrong or the dog caught some food. And I've told you about the dog catching food, so shit goes wrong when one of the men in the, the team, they shoot a beaver and they grievously wound it, but it's not dead and Seaman goes to retrieve it and the beaver bites his back leg and he manages to get the artery. So oh no. Seaman's bleeding out and Lewis and Clark apparently get to him in time. They manage to do some like overnight surgery shit in the wilderness and they save him. Wow. Which surprised the shit out of me. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> how do you do that? How I don't know how I don't I'd know. Stop in the, the dark on a black dog. In the dark on a black, right? Right? Uh, like what? You're not going to shine your iPhone flashlight on it. Like I'm, I'm baffled. But anyway, so they saved him from that. But then poor guy, you know, they're going through the brush and he gets tangled up with burrs. So the the thorns are pricking him, and then it's hard for the men to get them out of his fur because there's so fucking much of it. And then mm-hmm. there's an entry in Lewis's journal, July 15th, 1806. 
The mosquitoes continue to infest us in such a manner that we can scarcely exist. For my own part, I am confined to them by my buyer at least three quarters of the time. My dog even howls with the torture he experiences from them. No, they could even get through the coat, huh? Apparently they could even get through the coat, poor baby. And bizarrely, that is, I mean, it's toward the end of the journey, but that is the last mention of seamen in the journals. So the, Hmm. the question from historians is, did semen die? Why doesn't Lewis talk about this dog that has made the entire 4,000-mile overland journey, you know, from start to finish, there and back again? Why doesn't he mention him at the end? And other historians point out, well, like we said, he only wrote about him if there was something wrong or if he did something notable. And if something happened where the dog died, that would have been a something wrong moment where he would have talked about him. The fact that he... I think so. I mean, he certainly wouldn't have cut it as a co-host on this podcast if he couldn't, like, articulate the dog's name clearly and keep us updated on everything that happened to the dog. (laughs) Yeah. So, what modern historians now think that happened is that, yeah, Seaman finished the journey... And he accompanied Lewis until Lewis's death in 1809. And like right beside him? Right beside him. And here's why they believe this. There was a congressional clergyman and teacher named, uh, let me find it in my notes, named Timothy Alden. And mm-hmm. his like personal passion was to go around and record epitaphs and inscriptions. So he would go and just write down cool-looking things that he found that were engraved for posterity. He made five fucking volumes of this called... You know, nobody gives enough credit to the church's role in facilitating (laughs) completely useless people with a lot of time on their hands. That was a steady income for a young man. Five fucking volumes writing down things that other people had engraved. The church was was paying him to go around and write down all these things that were not public domain and put them in a book and make money publishing that book. <laughs> More money for serving his, his congregation, I guess. I guess. Because like, I'm out of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you it is a job I would do. I would love to roam around <laughs> cemeteries all day being like, that's cool. I'm going to write that yeah. down in my book. Oh my god. Yeah, I do that for free. Right? You would what was it? There was something that oh yeah, remember when we posted on Facebook that Six Flags was offering three hundred dollars to anyone who would stay in a coffin for thirty hours and you were like, I would do that for a ham sandwich. <laughs> no, I would do it if I could have free Netflix and nobody would bother me. <laughs> <laughs> there was something you told me you'd do for a ham sandwich, basically. I don't know. Does it have mustard? I don't. I, does that help or hinder? Yeah, it needs some mustard. Depends on the bread. Depends on the sandwich. I'm just saying. Anyway, wow. so this guy was writing down epitaphs and and, and so forth. He was. And somehow this gives us insight. This gives us insight. Scanning. <laughs> to scanning. To semen. Because, and so historians tend to believe this account of Timothy Alden's because he was known as a scrupulously accurate recorder. He had no reason to lie in creating these tomes. He was just doing a thing. So they they believe that what he wrote in entry 916 in his book, American Epitaphs and Inscriptions, 
he talks about a dog collar in an, a museum in Alexandria, Virginia. And the dog collar reads, The greatest traveler of my species. My name is Seaman, the dog of Captain Meriwether Lewis, whom I accompanied to the Pacific Ocean through the interior of the continent of North America. And what he further records is the note that goes with the collar. So this museum displayed not only the collar, but the uh, provenance, provenience kind of information. And the note reads, The foregoing was copied from the collar in the Alexandria Museum, which the late Governor Lewis's dog wore after his return from the western coast of America. The fidelity and attachment of this animal were remarkable. After the melancholy exit of Governor Lewis, his dog would not depart for a moment from his lifeless remains. And when they were deposited in the earth, no gentle means could draw him from the spot of interment. He refused to take every kind of food which was offered and pined away and died with grief upon his master's grave. So, Seaman, according to these records was with Meriwether Lewis when he was either murdered or committed suicide, depending on what you believe. And mm-hmm. Episode to come. Episode to come. Uh, went to the graveside and laid on his grave until he himself died. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I went into the octave of incredulity there. <clears throat> you did. <laughs> this, uh, he recorded this in... 1814, so five years after his death, I think that it is a beautiful thought. Uh, I have no idea, of course, if it's true or not. The Alexandria Museum burned down, and its collections burned with it, so we have no way of knowing if there is, you know, if there was a collar there, it's gone. Any of the records about the collar gone this kind of now apocryphal story about lewis's dog i don't know where the note came from i don't know who wrote it but i don't know how the it got from where lewis is buried in tennessee in bumfuck nowhere tennessee to the museum to the museum i can look into that more for you if you'd like meh we got a lot of mysteries to cover, man. (laughs) No, I like it. I think that that's a beautifully poetic end to, um, to see man. So I I would like that. I mean, I'm, I'm being a, a skeptic and a cynic right now, but my cousin Andrew passed in 2013 in mm -hmm. July or late June. I don't remember. And he had a dog named Pocket, and there's a picture of Pocket resting on Andrew's gravestone that I really like, even though, you know, it's just a, a dumb dog hanging out on a cool space yeah. on a sunny day. But I still like it. So I like the image of, I, I think one of the best things that dogs offer us is how much they love us even when we don't deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they they really think the world of us no matter who we are. And I think I, I like the idea. I mean, I don't like the idea that it, that Seaman suffered when men yeah. have passed, but I do love what that indicates about their bond. Right. Because 
regardless of what happened, Meriwether was having a hard time at the end right. of his life. So the idea that, however apocryphal, that he may have had a companion with him is helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's redemptive, too, to think somebody or something loves you that much. You can't mm-hmm. be as bad as your worst assessment of yourself is. Right. And the secret is dogs don't give a shit. Dogs like Hitler's dog loved totally. him. Totally. Right. <laughs> right. But that offers In a small amount of usual, comfort. We don't deserve dogs. No, we don't deserve dogs. I was going through my Facebook uh, memories today and I had, you know, reposted somebody else's years ago, but it was uh, be the person your dog thinks you are. Oh my God. That kind of thing. And it's like, I just want to be good for you, Bailey. <laughs> And I don't. He's a shit. He's a stinky little bagpipe full of grumbles and farts. <laughs> All he does is bother me. But I he's want... so old now. Oh my god, he's ancient. He's gonna be 16, we think, god. on St. Patrick's Day. That's right. We decided that was his birthday. Yep. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Cubby's been having a hard time because Lydia's doing the roller derby thing now. So right. she's like, oh, the puppy's on wheels. The puppy's on wheels. <laughs> Puppy keeps falling down. She fell down so many times when she started skating on the wood floor instead of the carpet that Cubby did had to have to come over. She was like, what's happening? Yeah. Why aren't you stopping this? Why aren't you? You're being a terrible mother. The only one yeah. that can help is Nana Dog. Yep. <laughs> and we were like, you gotta go kennel up. Come on. She's yep. fine. She's wearing pads. She's got a plan. But it's like, yep. you, know, you know she doesn't understand anything that's no. happening, but no. she's worried. No. Puppy <laughs> is moving very quickly and then hitting the floor very hard all of a sudden. Yep. Yeah. Bless her old heart. Bless her. Aw. Well, thank you for telling me about Seaman. You're welcome. I think it's I'm- <laughs> so... I mean, people... I didn't didn't mention this earlier and meant to. One of the things that a couple of different sources I read said that, you know, Sacagawea or Sacagawea with her infant son in particular really helped put new people being contacted at ease. You know, yeah, these, mm-hmm. this was a scary bunch of weirdo white men, but they did have a, a mother with them. They had a woman who had a baby, and that was helpful. And another thing that was helpful was having this big, loving, like, scary big dog, but lovable and happy to be around people. And that also went a really long way toward making friendships or making at least introductions easier. And that's another thing that I think is just so fucking cool about dogs. Like, you go to a party and you don't know anyone. If they have a pet, you're fine. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, like, the entire basis of most of my conversations with my extended family, just commenting on what the dog or the cat is doing. Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. (sighs) It's on topic. It's apolitical. It's Mm -hmm. so helpful to be able to go guess what that cat did the other day and then pull up your phone and watch a bunch of youtube videos of other cats doing dumb shit oh yeah they get you at least 30 minutes that that's basically what they did lewis and clark they were like do you want to see some cat videos <laughs> do you want to <laughs> <Do> you... <laughs> look at this one it's playing the piano he's playing the piano there's not a there. guy holding its arms I get to say it on the show. I never had an excuse. Keyboard cat of the early YouTube days is from Spokane. Wow, Liz, you local finally celebrity. worked that in. He is a local yep. celebrity. I had a teacher uh, who was 
wonderful at Eastern Washington University, but he was best friends for a while with the guy who started Keyboard Cat, Charlie something or other. But I think he was quite envious of Charlie's commercial artistic success. Doing weird shit. Which I could, I could, I could get behind. I don't look at Keyboard Cat and think, aha, art, yes. And yet. (laughs) And And yet. yet. We all know somebody who can fall backward over their own shoelace and land on $50. Oh my god. It happens. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Well, there you go. (laughs) Thank you for letting me tell you about one more good boy in the history of the Pacific Northwest's list of good boys. I think it's time to make a guide to good boys on the website. Just thinking that. Yep. Yeah. And girls, but I think most of the dogs have been male so far for some reason. Yeah, I think they have. And I'm not a good feminist because it's just easier for me to say good boys. All dogs are good (laughs) boys. (laughs) You are right, though. They are all good boys and good girls. Every day and every way we get better and better. Be the person Liz wants you to be, Devin. (laughs) (laughs) I would settle for being the person that I imagine I am until I actually, like, observe what I'm doing at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) Like, eat a fucking vegetable. What are you doing? Right? Right? Go get some water. God, have eight hours. (laughs) Why haven't you taken your medicine? (laughs) <laughs> Do you own a toothbrush? I know you own a toothbrush. Fucking use it. Where's your retainer? Your parents spent $3,000 on that smile. Wear it. Nice. <laughs> All right, friends and loved ones. We would like to continue this conversation about good boys and good girls and things that you should do even though you don't want to because, God damn it, you're an adult now and you have to eat some celery. I don't care how much it tastes like crunchy water. And to do that, you're going to want to find us on social media. Of course, you know the Ouija Broads are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm doing Mm -hmm. such a good job of posting on Instagram now. You, like, don't even know. But you should I literally don't. You literally don't. Well, (laughs) everyone else. Instagram on my phone. Good God, woman. You should know because I'm fucking rocking it. We have over 600 friends on Facebook now. So we're, like, about to blow up. So get in we on this ground floor. We done blowed up. We done blowed up. Yeah. We are on Podbean. We're on iTunes for you to listen to And us. Spotify. I got us on Spotify now. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God. We're like really legit now, you guys. We're almost mm-hmm. up to 100 episodes. We've been doing this for two years. Jesus, it's cool. But I am tired. Liz, what else am I supposed to be saying here? Uh, Patreon. Patreon. Go hang out with us on Patreon because we're doing cool stuff there. And I'm hoping to get some more goodies out to you guys to kind of test for us because Liz and I have got something in the works for August that Mm -hmm. we're hoping to have some merch for. And I think there's going to be a first wave headed out to our patrons, no matter your level of, of support, of patronizing us. I want to send you guys the first new stuff we get. Legit. And our book project that we alluded to may somehow translate into that. We might Mm -hmm. might turn them into zines or something. Zines could be cool. Online chapters could be cool. 
I am egotistical enough to want it to still be a legit book because I want my name on a printed thing that I see on a shelf that has a barcode that's at the Library of Congress. And I can tell wow. people my first book was about. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so that's me. I need constant praise and validation, and I can get that with a book deal. What else, my friend? Just get us out of here. I love it. That's good. Friends, we want to make sure that you keep hanging out with us. But in the meantime, until next time, we want you to live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 